Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Philly Sports Power Hour with your boy, Bill Calarulo. Good to see you guys already in the chat. I saw some of you a few minutes ago on Birds 365 with Jody Mack, was filling in for Johnny Mack for the last hour of that show, so that was pretty good. But good to see everybody. Rick Jansen, good morning. Nathan Hoffman, good morning to you. Steve Ike, what is going on? Let's get a little roll call in the chat. want to see who's here. On this beautiful football Friday. Could have been a little bit better if our fighting Phils would have won last night. But we'll talk about the Phillies to start the show. And then we're going to be joined around 10-20 by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. So we'll talk to him a little bit about this Sunday night game. Kelly Green jerseys against this high-powered Miami Dolphins offense. JM, what's going on, man? Good to see you. Carlos, how you doing, brother? Timothy Walker, good morning to you as well. Love that you guys are here. But our fighting fills, we'll talk a little bit about them before we transition into our football Friday and then get our Eagles insider Dave Spadaro joining the show. But fighting fills, bats went cold last night. Bats went cold. I'm not nervous. You can't dominate every single game in the postseason like the Phillies have been doing. You just can't do it. So you expected some sort of game where they're going to have a little bit of a drop-off. Didn't love to see that they struck out 13 times, but you can't dominate every single game. And I see a Jason A team. What is up, man? Wine Niners, wine in the house. How are you? Nick Spicer, good to see you too, brother. So glad you guys are here. Keep engaging in the chat. Scott Chairs, Bill has a key fob to the Eagles organization. Used to, used to work down there for the Philadelphia Eagles with Big Dom. Everybody knows Big Dom, but used to work down there and had uh, some pretty good access to a lot of things. Got to see kind of a behind the scenes in the locker room and all that good stuff. And those were the Donovan McNabb, Brian Dawkins years. So that was pretty fun, man. That was pretty fun. They had a good team back then. But sticking with the fight and fills, you got to give credit to this rookie, Brandon Fott. What a game that kid pitched last night. Really unbelievable stuff last night against this Philadelphia Phillies lineup. Cue ball the bird asking, did I work for the Eagles before I was an attorney? Before and during, actually. Before and during, I worked for them. JM Spadaro is a good guest. Spadaro is a good guest. He's a good dude, too. Knows his stuff. But looking at Brandon Fott last night, 5.2 innings. Five and two-thirds, zero earned runs, nine strikeouts, only gives up two hits. And they take him out of the game. I really thought that was going to come back to haunt this Arizona Diamondbacks team. I could not believe the manager decided to take him out of the game. The kid was dealing 
man. That kid was absolutely dealing, and the Philadelphia Phillies really never hit him hard at all. So I thought there was no chance you're taking the guy out. Why? I mean, if he had gotten hit hard but got out of an inning, maybe. But to be able to take that guy out of the game at that point just didn't make any sense to me. It really didn't make any sense to me. But, hey, it worked out for the Diamondbacks. Really thought that was going to come back to haunt them. But you look at this game, offense just really never got going. Never got going. And what's crazy, though, even though the Phillies lose the game, they still have only been down in this postseason for two innings. Because last night's a walk-off. So still only two innings does this Phillies team ever been down. And I see you guys in the chat bring Big Dom on the show. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. What makes Big Dom so great is you never see him, man. He's behind the scenes. Great dude, though. Really great dude. Does a lot of good things for that Eagles organization. But uh, don't think you'll ever see him on the power hour. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. But really couldn't ever get things going last night. Phillies do put up a run in the seventh on that wild pitch, bringing Harper home. But let's talk a little bit about Craig Kimbrell because he's been shaky this whole season. And last night makes me really concerned going forward. Really concerned. I think the Eagles, or excuse me, I think the Phillies win this series. I think they still win this series, but you're going to need Kimbrell in the World Series. And I don't really have a lot of faith in him right now. Walks the leadoff batter. That was the end of him. Because once a guy gets on base, it's ridiculous to me. It really is ridiculous to me that a pitcher in Major League Baseball doesn't know how to hold a runner. Like, come on, man. As soon as a guy gets on first, it's just a given he's going to be able to steal second. You got to figure out a way. Last night, Arizona Diamondbacks, the guy who was on first, and I forget who it was, when he stole second against Kimbrell, Kimbrell hadn't even started his stretch yet, and the guy was gone. That should have been an easy out for the Phillies. You should have been able to pick that guy off. No problem. You're a Major League Baseball pitcher. You've been in this league for as long as you've been in this league, and you can't hold a runner? I just think that's unacceptable. I don't understand how you get a guy on first, and it's an automatic that he's going into second base, and he's going to be in scoring position. It doesn't make any sense to me. But one thing, let's talk a little bit of positive last night. Ranger Suarez is a stud, man. That kid is an absolute stud. He's been pitching great this postseason. And what I love about him is just you could see how calm he is. A couple of fielding plays. One of them, he's walking off the field. He just nonchalantly throws it to first base. I mean, it's just he is so calm. He's such a good fielder. And that other great play, Bryson Stott makes a great play at second base. Suarez gets to the bag to get the out. Just some wonderful, wonderful things from Ranger Suarez, both on and off the mound last night. So that leaves you positive. But we'll see now. I've said this before on the Power Hour. The best thing about Major League Baseball playoffs is you don't have to wait long for the next game. Phillies go tonight. How does Christopher Sanchez? Hasn't pitched since September 30th. He only pitched one inning in that game. Pitched seven innings September 24th. So this guy's been sitting around. He's definitely going to be well-rested. But is he going to be ready? And it's a big game. You don't want the Diamondbacks to get any life tying this series up 2-2. So this is a big game tonight. 
for the Philadelphia Phillies. And I think I think this lineup comes to play tonight. I keep quoting Castellanos. They play their best after they get punched in the face. I think he gets I think they all come back tonight in this lineup. But Alec Bohm, he's got to do more at the plate. They're pitching around Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, I saw a stat this morning. I think he had one pitch in the strike zone last night that was a hittable pitch. So if they're going to do that, you got to make them pay. If they're going to pitch around Harper, Alec Bohm's got to protect him, batting behind him. But I do expect a big game from Alec Bohm tonight. I think he's going to rise to the occasion tonight. I think you're going to see the Phillies lineup get back at it. Like I said, you can't be hot every single night. So you expect a little bit of a drop-off. But tonight's a big game. But we'll see. How many innings does Christopher Sanchez go? And can he pitch well tonight? Big test. Big game. But it's exciting. This is why we love postseason baseball, man. Because every inning, every game, you're on the edge of your seat. It's, it's really nothing better, man. Major League Baseball, Red October, I'm signing up for it. See you guys in the chat. Boom should swap with Casty. I don't think Topper's going to change the lineup at all. I mean, other than when they're facing a left-hander, getting Marsh out of the out of the lineup, I don't think you're going to see him tinker with it a lot. They've had a lot of success. Daz, Kimbrell wasn't the issue the bats were. I agree with you there, Daz. I mean, the pitching was good enough last night. Pitching was good enough. They only give up two runs. Bats have to do more than three hits. This Phillies lineup is built, obviously, to score runs. Three hits isn't going to cut it. Striking out 13 times isn't going to cut it. See what else we got in the chat. Nick Spicer, you learn how to hold a runner in high school. Yeah, exactly. The fact that Kimbrell can't do it at this point in his Major League Baseball career, to me, is just absurd. Absolutely absurd. And then when you walk the leadoff batter, you know they're going to have a runner in scoring position automatically. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Crawley, they just got to hope Boom steps up. I don't think they change it. I agree with you there. But let's switch gears for a little bit. We got the fight and fills tonight. I'm expecting a big win from our fight and fills. But we're going to be joined in a few minutes by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Big game tonight or excuse me, Sunday night, Kelly Green jerseys down at the link, Sunday night football against the 5-1 and one high-powered Miami Dolphins offense. What's up, James Jones? How you doing, man? But I did a video on my Instagram, and I don't know how many of you guys follow me on Instagram, at Legal Hands to the Face, post daily content there, but I posted a video this morning about why there is room for optimism. And we talked a little bit about it yesterday with this Dolphins offense. As good as they are, and I went through it with you guys before, all the categories they are number one in. And we'll go through it again. Number one in yards per game, and it's not even close at 499 yards. Number one in points per game. Number one in passing yards per game. Number one in rushing yards per game. Number one in yards per play. Number one in the red zone. As good as they have been. If you look at the defenses they've played, four out of the five teams they've beaten have defenses in the bottom third of the NFL. And I said this to Jody Mack. I usually don't like being the guy who said, oh, well, look who they've played. 
because they did that to the Eagles last season. Every time the Eagles would win big, oh, they haven't played anybody. You play who's in front of you. I get it. But when you're looking at a Miami Dolphins offense with the stats that they are putting up, I think it's only right to look at the defenses that they've played. Because the reason that they're putting up such ridiculous statistics is they're playing some really shitty defenses. What's up, Steve Patton? What's up? And you look at the defenses, four of the five defenses they beat. Los Angeles Chargers, 31st in the NFL. The Denver Broncos, 32nd in the NFL. New York Giants, 27th. And the Carolina Panthers, 19th. And then you look at the other two teams they've played who have decent defenses. New England, number 10. Buffalo, number 12 in total yards per game. And they didn't do anywhere near what they've done in those other four games against those guys. Against the New England Patriots, only put up 24 points, won the game 24-17. Against the Buffalo Bills, lost, only put up 20 points. So as good as this Miami Dolphins offense is, and I don't want to take away from their playmakers because they got a ton of them in Tua and Hill and Waddle and Mostert, they can score, and they're going to score. This Eagles defense isn't going to shut out the Miami Dolphins. But what I'm saying is, is there is room for optimism when you look at who they've beaten. Combined record of 5-24, and 24, the teams they've beaten. So this offense is good, but these historical numbers they're putting up are a little bit skewed when you look at the defenses that they're going up against. And what I said to Jody Mack, and at the end of the show, I want to get your guys' predictions. Before we end the show today, I'll give you my prediction. You may already know because I had to give it to Jody Mack on Birds 365. But I'll get you guys in the chat your predictions at the end of the show. But what I said to Jody Mack is everybody is focused on this Miami Dolphins offense and how good this Miami Dolphins offense is. But what I think we really need to be talking about is this Miami Dolphins defense because they're really not that good. They are really not that good. We just talked about the four teams they've beaten and where they ranked in terms of defenses. Well, look at the four, four of the five teams they've beaten in terms of offenses. Because four of the five teams that they beat have offenses in the bottom third of the NFL. 27th in the league, the New England Patriots are. 21st in the league, the Denver Broncos, 31st in the league, the New York Giants, and 23rd in the league, the Carolina Panthers. But yet, even playing those offenses that don't have anywhere near the talent or skills that this Philadelphia Eagles team has, the Miami Dolphins are still 20th in the NFL, giving up 344 yards per game. 26th in the NFL, giving up 26 points per game. 19th in the NFL, giving up 230 yards per game in the air. 20th against the run. 20th on third down. 26th in the red zone. This Miami Dolphins defense is not a very good defense. Now, the one thing they can do well is they can get after the quarterback. Number three in the NFL, they've had 21 sacks so far this season. And the guy you really got to watch out for is we see how good the Philadelphia Eagles interior 
is on their defensive line with Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and Jordan Davis. Christian Wilkins, defensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins, has three and a half sacks this year and can really disrupt things in the interior of offenses. And if you follow me, either this show or Legal Hands to the Face, I talk about in the NFL how important it is to generate interior pressure because you can really disrupt offenses by causing pressure right there on the inside. And they have a guy that can do it better than anybody, Christian Wilkins. So hopefully, Jason Kelsey, Sua Opeta, Landon Dickerson are able to control Christian Wilkins. But you look at this Miami Dolphins defense and the offenses they've played, yet they're still in the bottom categories of all these different categories for the NFL. And then we look at our Eagles offense. This Eagles offense, although they don't necessarily pass the eye test of how good they were last season, they are still putting up a ton of yards and points. Didn't have a great game last week. We know that against the New York Jets. But even still, number two in the NFL in yards per game, putting up close to 400 yards per game. Number five in the NFL, putting up 26 points per game. So I expect this Philadelphia Eagles offense to bounce back in a big way this week against a subpar Miami Dolphins defense. And we didn't see it happen last week. Philadelphia Eagles run the football. If you watched Wednesday's show, you know how angry I was that the Philadelphia Eagles did not run the football against the New York Jets. But this is another week where this Philadelphia Eagles offense should be able to run the football. The Miami Dolphins are 20th in the NFL, giving up close to 115 yards per game, and they're giving up 5.2 yards per carry. I think this week, the Philadelphia Eagles, I don't think they should run the ball 50 times this week. You're going to have to throw the ball as well. And Dolphins aren't very good against the pass either, but you have to have a healthy balance this week. Let's see how Brian Johnson bounces back. I don't think he had a great play-calling game against the Jets, but let's see how he bounces back. But there's a guy on that offensive side of the ball who I expect to bounce back in a big way. And Jake Friel just said it in the chat. Jalen always seems to step up when the lights are the brightest. And the lights are going to be bright on Sunday night. Sunday night football, Kelly Green jerseys down at the link, going up against Tua Tungavailoa, who we all know took his job at halftime in the national championship game. You're probably going to hear it 100 times on the freaking broadcast Sunday night. And Jalen Hurts is a competitor. And this is a guy who always seems to bounce back from adversity. And I talked to Jody Mack about what Jalen did in the Super Bowl. You saw what Jalen did after adversity. That big fumble in the first half, Kansas City returns for a touchdown. What Jalen do on the very next drive? Drove the team right down the field for a touchdown. Jalen Hurts, end of the game. Eagles go down by eight. What does he do? Drives the team right down the field, scores a touchdown, and gets in for the two-point conversion. So last week against the New York Jets, Jalen Hurts throws three interceptions. Two of them weren't his fault. I agree. That third one was one of the worst plays I've seen Jalen Hurts make in an Eagles uniform. But what does that mean? I think he bounces back in a big way on Sunday night. And I don't think this Miami Dolphins defense scares me at all. 
Now, the one question mark is, is Devontae Smith going to play? Because if he doesn't play, that's a big loss. That is a big loss for this Eagles offense. And I see Scott Chairs in the chat saying that the play calling wasn't the issue. Talk about how sloppy the player's execution was. And if you were here on Wednesday, I did. And I said, as mad as I was at the play calling, you can't absolve the players because they didn't execute. They did things that were uncharacteristic. Jalen Hurst throwing that interception to, at the end of the game. That's an uncharacteristic play. Jake Elliott missing a 37-yard field goal. Uncharacteristic play. But in a 17-game season, you're going to have games like that. There's a reason teams don't go 17-0. and And I don't want to absolve the players completely because you still need to be able to execute. But two road games, back-to-back road games, you do expect them to have games where they're not executing. But I expect a big game from this Philadelphia Eagles offense. And when we get back after Dave Spadaro, we'll do our predictions and I'll get your guys' predictions. But I want to bring in our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro, to talk about this big Sunday night game. What's up, Dave? How you doing, brother? Good morning, Bill. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I would have been better if the Phillies went up 3-0 last night. But, hey, you can't have everything. Yeah, I mean, it's been a – well, look – Tough loss on Sunday for the Eagles at the Jets, obviously. So, uh, and then last night, tough loss for the Phillies. But they're in a great spot, right? Two up, two one, um, unbeatable at home. All they have to do is get one tonight, and everybody will be happy. And then tomorrow it's over, right? So we're hoping. Um, yeah. But but look, my focus is on Sunday and the and the Miami Dolphins because we all know that's going to be a tough one. Now, to answer what you just said, Bill, about Devontae Smith, I mean. He made it seem very clear at his locker yesterday that he would play. So I, I don't really have any concerns that Devontae will play. I think Lane Johnson has a chance to play. I think Darius Slay has a chance to play. I think Jalen Carter has a chance to play. We'll find out later today, but I'm actually really encouraged on the injury front. Um, but that's just my speculation. That's watching the players at practice yesterday and, and hope. And the Eagles are going to need all hands on deck against the Miami Dolphins. No doubt about it. And I went through in the first segment all the categories that this Miami Dolphins offense is number one in the NFL. So outside of obviously it being a key that all these guys play, what do you think the key to this game is for that Philadelphia Eagles defense going up against this really high-powered Miami Dolphins offense? I mean, I, I, again, I think and I've been saying this all year that the key is that they dominate at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, they really didn't do that um, last week against Zach Wilson, although the defense played very, very well. They just didn't take the football away. I I, I look at Miami and I see, and I watched a lot of Miami and, and Buffalo. And what Buffalo did, Buffalo was really disruptive and they challenged Miami. It certainly helped that Buffalo's offense was great. So I think it's a combination. I think the Eagles offense has to really help the defense. Um, the defense clearly cannot give up big plays. How they deal with the speed of Miami, uh, I think you deal with it by being physical. Um, you can't let anything go over the top. You got to tackle really, really well in the open field against Tyreek Hill, et cetera. It's a huge challenge. I, I don't pretend that, you know, eh, Eagles are going to limit Miami to 17 points. I mean, there could be a lot of points scored in this game. But I'll tell you, I think that Sean decides done a really good job here. He'll come up with a good plan. And the Eagles did play against Miami last year in the uh, preseason, but before that in practice down there. So they got a sense 
of watching Tyreek Hill. And, and anybody who's not seen Tyreek Hill in person, his speed is startling. And, you know, we were watching the scrimmages last year, and it's like it just blows you away how fast he is. So all of that taken into consideration, you know, there's some obviously still some injury concerns in the secondary, in the nickel cornerback position. But I think you win by being more physical. You win by winning on the edge. And it would be great if Jalen Carter came back to give that defensive tackle position a boost. Um, but it is a very tall task against Miami. You mentioned Tyreek Hill. And we see A.J. Brown every week. And A.J. Brown's having an unbelievable season. And I went and looked at their stats. And this just goes to show how incredible Tyreek Hill's been. A.J. Brown, 42 catches, 672 yards, averaging 16 yards a catch. Unbelievable. Tyreek Hill, 42 catches, 814 yards, averaging 19 yards a catch. He's over 100 yards more than A.J., and A.J.'s having one of the best seasons I've ever seen for an Eagle. It really speaks – you're right. I mean, A.J.'s on pace for something like 1,900-plus yards. Tyreek's on pace for 2,600 yards. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. And both of them are really getting a lot done after the catch. So the yards after the catch – are huge too. And it's not like, it's not like Tyreek Hill is sneaking up on anybody. You know, everybody's tried to bracket cover him. Everybody's tried to be physical at the line of scrimmage and not give him a free release. You know, everybody's tried to rough him up. Everybody's tried to play zone and keep everything in front of him. He just is so incredibly fast. And I'll take my hat off to what AJ Brown is doing. It's, Something unforeseen, 125, you know, plus four straight games. Uh, he's been outstanding, right? Um, so, I, you know, I, they're, they, they're two different kinds of receivers. I know that Miami's got some challenges on their defense. That defense hasn't been great this year. And Xavier and Xavier Howard's got a groin. I know he practiced in limited capacity yesterday. So I just, you know, Bill, I mean, and it's always wrong, but – I feel like there's going to be a lot of points scored in this game. Now there's a win factor that, that could be, that could come into play on Sunday night. Um, but I just feel like there's going to be, it's these, the Eagles have to be extremely precise touchdowns, not field goals, no turnovers, win the turnover battle um, and keep getting the ball to AJ Brown. And staying with this Dolphins offense for a second, everybody loves to talk about as they should Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, but the Dolphins have also been able to run the ball really well this year. Number one in the NFL at 182 yards, but we know how good this Eagles defense has been against the run. Only 65 yards a game they're giving up, which is number two in the NFL. What breaks this week? You got a really good Eagles defense against the run, a really good Dolphins offense running the ball. Who wins that battle? Yeah, who, the, well, the Eagles are going to win the battle. Um, it's It's this track team speed against a really physical defense. So it, to me, it's it's such a fascinating matchup. The the Dolphins, and you're right, it's not just Tyreek Hill. It's not just Jalen Waddell. You know, it's Mostert is outstanding. HN, before he got hurt, un, was averaging 12 yards a carry. Um, you know, two is getting rid of the football quickly, not taking any hits. It's, uh, I, I, it's kind of the way I felt about the Rams game, Bill. I, I went in thinking, Okay, if the Eagles can get three stops, four stops, you know that can make the difference in the game. And as it turned out, they they shut the Rams out in the second half. I go into this game thinking if the Eagles can get a handful of stops, 
that's a major accomplishment against this offense. They've been that good. They are a lot of, they have a team that's got a lot of motion. They're number one in the NFL in the amount of motion that they use. They hide people really well, as Nick spoke about, Nick Sirianni spoke about just a few minutes ago. You have to have great communication. You have to have incredible coordination of handing off assignments. Now, the question is, and, and you can't really blitz the Miami Dolphins or they're going to hit a hole and it's all over. So the number one priority for this defense has been do not give up X plays, do not give up big plays. This is the ultimate test. So I, I, I happen to believe that the Eagles run defense and if Jalen Carter would be a really big part of it if he's healthy, you know, that, that if you can make the Dolphins one-dimensional, that you, if you make any team one-dimensional, then you have a shot. And part of that comes with, hey, take a lead. Part of that comes with, you know, put the Dolphins on their heels, stun them somehow early in the game, and take away the run. And, again, when they're averaging 182 a game, easier said than done. But I'm really excited to see how the Eagles respond to this challenge after the loss on Sunday. And the way they reacted to it, Bill, after the game was with the players only in the locker room addressing the ideas of accountability and stepping up and making sure that they are kind of refocused and laser focused. And, and that's the mood that I've had that I've kind of witnessed in the building this week. So we'll see if it translates to Sunday night. And one of the things you said there was you think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and and I agree with you. And I think one of the keys to this matchup is going to be which team is going to be better in the red zone. The Miami Dolphins are scoring touchdowns 81% of the time in the red zone, which is just unheard of. And the Philadelphia Eagles, they've struggled a little bit, only 45.5% of the time, which puts them number 23 in the NFL. What do you think is going on with this red zone offense? Why hasn't it been as effective as last year? Last year, they were number three in the NFL, had a really good red zone offense, very similar yeah. to the same personnel. So what do you think is going on there? Well, a couple of things. I don't think they're running the ball as effectively in the red zone. I think that's really kind of where it is. I mean, have you seen a quarterback draw work effectively? I mean, teams are prepared for that. It's a, it's a, it's a game of matchups. It's a game of a chess match. It's a game of adjustments. And now the Eagles have to adjust. And I thought they were much better last week. They were two of two on their first two trips in the, inside the red zone against a good Jets defense. You know, you don't drop passes. You don't make mistakes. You don't commit penalties. The third time the drive stalled, they kicked a field goal. Um, so, or maybe that was a field goal. Maybe that was the missed field goal. Excuse me. They missed, they missed a field goal from Jake. Um, so they were two of three in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is, it, my opinion, when you are in the red zone, you must run the ball effectively. And the Eagles just haven't done that as well as what they did last year. Miles Sanders was great in the red zone last year. Jalen Hurts was great in the red zone last year. And so the Eagles have to get back to that level. And, you know, we'll see if they do it. They know it. They've been trying to run the football better. They did it well on that opening drive on Sunday against the Jets. They scored again on the second opportunity in the red zone. Um, and again, in this game, you cannot have you cannot have Jake Elliott kicking field goals. You must score touchdowns. So, Bill, we've talked about it. They, they've they've addressed this for weeks. Uh, They're very well aware of it. You know, I don't know what the plan is for Julio Jones, but we all look at his body and go, 
wow, he's 6'3", 220. He can box out. Maybe he's an option. We'll see what he can do in his first game. We'll see how much they use him. We'll see how they use him. But uh, they've got to be better, and they know it. To go far in the playoffs, you must be good in the red zone. And that goes for the defense, too. Um, really, really good effort last week. Um, I don't count the last touchdown, that the, the only touchdown that the Jets scored. I thought the Eagles defense really stepped up and played well. And, again, they go to a different class uh, going against this Miami Dolphins offense. Yeah, Eagles defense definitely played pretty well last week. It's, we and, and let's be honest, it's Zach Wilson, okay? It's Zach yeah. Wilson It's a uh, who played pretty well, didn't turn the ball over. Um, but it, there's nothing that compares to what the Miami Dolphins are bringing to the table on Sunday night. Yeah, and, and talking about the red zone, currently the Eagles defense, they're 25th in the league in the red zone, going against the best team, the Miami Dolphins in the red zone. But good news for the Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins defense is 26 in the NFL. They're letting teams score 67% of the time. So this is the week for hopefully this Philadelphia Eagles team to be able to convert touchdowns once they get inside to 20. But, uh, Dave, so it's I made the mistake of telling the telling the viewers before you came on that I used to work down with Big Dom. So now everybody's in the – everyone's in the chat saying, ask Dave, what's his best Big Dom story? We don't talk about Big Dom. Big Dom yeah, we just don't talk about Big Dom. Yeah, no. Big Dom's just there, man. But what a good dude. Bill, his job is so difficult. Um, you know, he's security, and, it, and there's always a security risk. Uh, we see it when people run into a locker room as what happened in you – know, fortunately, nothing happened in Los Angeles. But players, these guys, these players are young men, and uh, Dom, is, Dom becomes their best friend, and they trust him. And when you're a professional athlete, you don't sometimes know who to trust because everybody's trying to get a piece of you. And for years, Dom has been that really trusted person to make sure the players are in a safe – and coach in a safe place. And so – He's got an incredibly large responsibility. He does an amazing job. And people just have to understand, Dom is always on. Like, he doesn't have any downtime. So um, it's a great responsibility. He does an awesome awesome job. And I'm glad he's been here 25 years. It's amazing. And um, we all trust him and love him. And, you know, if, if anybody needs something, Dom is always there. Yeah, I thought the best thing was I actually texted Dom when when the Eagles did their autism fundraiser where you could buy certain things huh. lunch with dom what it went for like 20 grand it was, it was something crazy Yeah, i don't know what people are expecting on that one uh unless he's gonna like you know tell stories or i don't think he's going to so whoever won that one um where it's going to be take a village to make that twenty thousand dollars worthwhile because dom really isn't a talker kind of guy he's a very low-key guy yeah that was funny man so all right back to this sunday night football game jalen hurts Obviously, would love to have that last throw in the New York Jets game. Well, not the last throw, the interception throw back. Even the last throw, I didn't love throwing in the double coverage down to Devontae. But Jalen Hurts, you've seen, you've been around him. One of the most competitive athletes I remember being in Philadelphia. This week, Tua Tungovailoa, the guy who took his job at halftime. We know we're going to hear all about that on Sunday Night Football. Do you think Jalen has any more motivation this week than any other week because it's against Tua on Sunday Night Football? I mean, I think that that would suggest that he's got less motivation in other games. So I don't think so. I think everybody's extremely motivated all the time. I mean, certainly it's a marquee matchup. The story is salacious. You know, it's it's you, you, you can't 
get away from it. I I feel like I've talked to Jalen so much about this. You know, it was certainly a, a very life-changing and career-altering experience at Alabama. And uh, how he handled it was admirable, and everybody who was in that situation said so. And so, I mean, I think Jalen is way past that. And it's a weird reunion on Sunday night with all of these Alabama people, like so many of them on the Eagles roster and Waddle and Tua, et cetera, with Miami. Um, but I don't think he'll look at it that way. I think what the focus here has to be and is, is getting back in the win column. The Eagles understand that the schedule has changed. You know, that opportunity lost last week is in the past but it was absolutely a lost opportunity and the Eagles have nobody to blame but themselves. So how do you get back into the win column against a team that has is off to such an incredible start that has so many weapons. And by the way, what, what I really, I can't quite figure out why the Miami off, uh, why, why the Miami defense has struggled because man, when the Eagles played them last year in the uh, joint practices, well, it was only one day, but because the second day got canceled, they were good. They're really good up front. They were really active. I think there's there were some scuffles in those practices. So Jalen knows that he's going against a fast defense, an aggressive front. And I know they haven't had great success from a number standpoint. I would argue that some of that is Miami has a big lead and teams are throwing the football and Miami's kind of taking off the pressure uh, defensively. So I think numbers can be misleading. I think this week for Jalen Hurts is all about beating the Miami Dolphins, not about Tua. Yeah, we have not seen Jalen and this Eagles team together lose back-to-back games since week six and seven of 2021. So I'm expecting We have not seen this Eagles team. I would tell you the Rams was the best 60 minutes of the season. Even that wasn't a complete performance. I think on Sunday night, they're going to need a complete performance to beat Miami. And I'm expecting one. I really am. And we just I, mentioned- I, this is the moment, right? Like this is you're coming off a really bad loss. Um, you're and the way you did just it, amazing the, to blow a 14-3 lead to turn the ball over as much as the Eagles did. Stinging loss, stinging loss. In the past, when they lost at Giants at the Giants in MetLife Stadium in 2021, all those turnovers they responded. When they lost to Washington last year, four turnovers they responded here at Lincoln Financial Field. Now they've lost to the Jets. Let's see them respond on Sunday night. Yeah, I hear you. And we talked a little bit about Tua and that Alabama reunion. NFL Rookie Watch tweeted out the roster from that 2017 Alabama team. It's unbelievable, Dave, how many players are currently in the NFL and good players in the NFL. That may be the best roster I've ever seen in college football history, that 2017. I mean, look, three of the quarterbacks they had on the team are all starters in the NFL. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's, it's, it, and you know, it's funny, like you see occasionally in the locker room a kind of a, a box from Alabama, the Alabama football team, that they send out swag, I guess, to the players. Um, just, hey, here, don't forget us here at Alabama. We love you. Here's some new Alabama swag. Um, it is an incredibly deep program. And I mean, look, in Philly, Georgia's. <laughs> crazily catching up, right? And it's probably been the last, what, four or five years that Georgia's been at that level. But college football is all about the SEC and all about these two, three, four really great programs that just constantly are sending 
great football players to the NFL. And I love the approach of drafting from big conferences, good teams from big conferences, and the Eagles have had a lot of success doing that. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. It has been pretty cool. So last question for you, Dave. I know you got to run. Be a fan for a second. How excited are you for the Kelly Green to be back on Sunday night? Love the sweatshirt, too. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'll let people see it a little bit better. If you want to see it a little bit better, it's cool. Got the, yeah, that uh, is pretty cool. Sleeves. Look at that. Yeah. A uh, little hoodie here. A little Nike action, man. Nike always yeah. does good stuff. It's all Nike. Um, I mean, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm really excited because the fans have wanted this for so long. And Jeffrey's been put the wheels in motion 20 years ago. I'm sorry, 10 years ago for this. It took it took the league to approve the the second helmet. It took to match this the the alternate jersey. Um, it took Nike two years to produce it, and the way the fans have reacted, Bill. Uh, I was there when we opened the pro shop at Lincoln Financial Field. There were I don't know 700 people in line. Some since three o'clock in the morning. We opened the pro shop at 9 a.m. and it was like a big party, and it has not stopped. And just I think just yesterday the new lines or the re refreshing and refilling the pro shop with Kelly green. I just, the fans love it. And it's good. The stadium's going to look amazing on Sunday night. Um, the contrast in jerseys is going to be really cool. They've been wearing the helmet at practice and it just looks awesome. And when I look out in the field and I think, Oh man, I was here when the Eagles were wearing that. And when I think back to the, you know, the Andre waters and the, randall's and the clyde simmons and the i'll throw a name at you one of my you know really somebody i really enjoyed when he was here rich miano was a great guy and like all like you know eric allen and and all of these players who've come through the, vet, the veteran stadium and uh they were great times when buddy was here and then not as great with rich Cote, but they did win a playoff game and the way the fans have responded to this i think is awesome yeah, I've been enjoying – so I do all the game day shows with Seth Joyner, and I've been enjoying seeing the throwback picks to Seth in those Kelly Green jerseys, man. And somebody did you make him smile, Bill? See, that's – did you make <laughs> Seth smile? Seth actually is a very happy man. Yes, he, he is. He is a very happy man. But, yeah, yeah, I think that's just his look, man. That's just yeah. his look. He always we had looks a, we did a we did a We did a block party um, back before the season started in Fairmount, on Fairmount Avenue, and there were 8,000 fans there. It was an incredible event. And Seth got on stage, and I'm like, hey – we have to well, let's find a way to make Seth Joyner smile. And Real did an EAGLES Eagles, and he like broke into this big grin. But Seth was, and when Seth was a player, he was always so accessible, honest, forthright, had great perspective, uh, really thoughtful answers. I, I'm glad he's pursued this and gotten into the media because he's excellent. And I mean, Seth's always been been just a wonderful guy to work with. Yeah, he's a great dude. Well, Dave, I know you got to run. Really appreciate you coming on today. Hopefully, we'll have you back next week to talk about a complete 60-minute performance by this Eagles team in a big win in those Kelly Green jerseys. Talk to you soon, brother. All right, Bill. Thanks so much. And, hey, everybody, go Birds! That's right. All right, guys, that is our Eagles insider, Dave Spadaro. Love having Dave on the show. Love his perspective. And that hoodie was pretty fire. I got to see where to get that. I like that thing. But guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will wrap up the show. I want your guys' predictions for Sunday night. I'll give you mine. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. 
go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, guys? Welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour. We just finished our segment with Dave Spadaro. Always fun having Dave on the show. Hopefully he's going to be a weekly contributor here on the Philly Sports Power Hour. But uh, I saw you guys in the chat, especially you, Wine Niners Wine, wanting some Big Dom stories. Not many stories about Big Dom. Big Dom's the one who has all the stories that he will never tell. But he does a great job down there, man. Such a good dude. Really enjoyed that time working with him and those Philadelphia Eagles. It was some fun years. Those were some fun years. But before I give you my Philadelphia Eagles predictions for Sunday night and I get your predictions, let's just bounce back very quickly to our fight and fills because a big game tonight, 2-1. What do you guys think happens in this series? There's two more games in Arizona tonight and tomorrow. Do you think the Philadelphia Phillies close it out? Do they win both remaining games in Arizona to win this series in five? Or do you guys have the fight and fills coming back to the bank on Monday night? What do you guys think? I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I think the fight and fills... I'm not sure how well Sanchez pitches tonight, 
But I know those bats are going to be back tonight. So I expect the Phillies to put up a lot of runs tonight. I think they win tonight. And then I think Zach Wheeler is probably the pitcher, I would assume, right? On Saturday night, it's Wheeler. I think he shuts it down. I think the fight and Phils win the next two games. This does not come back to Citizens Bank Park. And we'll be sitting there Sunday getting ready for our fight for our Philadelphia Eagles, knowing that we have our fight and Phils in the World Series. But what do you guys think? I see Jake Friel thinks they get it done in Arizona. Anybody else thinking they get it done in Arizona? And I also see you guys in the chat during the break talking about different secondary help that this Philadelphia Eagles team can bring in. And I will say this. I don't have any inside knowledge about whether or not Howie Roseman is, in fact, looking for secondary help. But I would be shocked if he was not. You look at this secondary. You look how they're banged up. You look what the defense has done so far this season against the pass, 20th in the NFL, giving up over 230 yards per game. This team's got Super Bowl dreams, man. And if you want to win a Super Bowl in this league, you have to be able to defend the pass, especially against some of these teams they're going to have to play down the stretch. So I would be very, very surprised if Howie doesn't make some sort of move. And I see the names you guys are throwing, Buda Baker, Patrick Sertain, the problem with Buda Baker is he's already one of the highest paid safeties in the NFL. And they restructured his deal to give him even more money. And the reason he was unhappy in Arizona was because he wanted even bigger contract for his next contract. So I'd be shocked. I think he makes, if I'm not mistaken, around 13 or $14 million a year, which I can't imagine Howie Roseman given to a safety when they wouldn't play or excuse me, wouldn't pay CJ even $8 million. So, and JM saying he can't even be traded because he's on IR. So that move's probably not going to happen. Patrick Sertain, maybe. But usually when Howie Roseman makes a move, it's one no one saw coming. It's a guy that nobody even knew was available, that nobody was even talking about. So don't be surprised if out of nowhere you see the Philadelphia Eagles make a move in that secondary. Look what he did the Super Bowl year getting Jay Ajayi. I don't think there was any chatter. Ajayi was going anywhere. Boom, Eagles get him. Same thing getting Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at the end of the preseason last year. So Wine Niners Wine is asking about the inside story on Howie Roseman. No inside story, nothing that you guys can't figure out yourselves, but a lot of people don't realize that Howie Roseman sent letters. Before he worked for the Philadelphia Eagles, he used to send letters every day to every single NFL team asking for a job. And the funny story is Joe Banner, when he was with the Philadelphia Eagles, and Mike Tannenbaum, when he was with the New York Jets, were having lunch one day, and somehow the name Howie Roseman came up at lunch. And the one guy said to the other, you're getting letters every day too? Who is this guy? And it almost became like a joke about all the letters that they would get from this Howie Roseman. So finally, Mike Tannenbaum agreed to have lunch with Howie, called Joe Banner and said, hey, I'm meeting with that kid, Howie Roseman. And they didn't know if he was crazy. They didn't know anything about him. Tannenbaum goes to lunch with Howie Roseman, was so impressed, he calls Joe Banner after the lunch and says, look, this guy's not crazy. He actually really knows his stuff. I don't have a spot for him here at the New York Jets, but you may want to meet with him. Joe Banner meets with him, brings him in, and we've seen how Howie Roseman has grown in this role. He did a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. When I worked for the Philadelphia Eagles, he was still called a salary cap analyst. 
And he did a lot of behind-the-scenes things on those teams, those Andy Reid teams that helped this team be as successful as they were. But I see uh, Nathan Hoffman, how he's not flawless. He really should have done some midseason contracts last year. I don't disagree. I know the reason they gave was they didn't want to disrupt the momentum and the mojo that they were having. But, yeah, he may have been able to do some things last year. But I was extremely happy going into this offseason this year, looking at the salary cap position the Eagles were in with all the free agents they had. I was happy with what they were able to do and who they were able to bring back. So I got to give Howie Roseman credit for that. So let's get into our predictions for this Sunday night football game against the Miami Dolphins. And you may be able to tell where I'm going with this if you've been watching the show. I just think way too many people are ignoring how bad this Miami Dolphins defense is. 20th in the NFL, and they did it against teams who are not good on offense. The Patriots stink on offense. The Denver Broncos stink on offense. The New York Giants stink. The Carolina Panthers stink. But yet they were still able to move the ball against this Miami Dolphins team. So I'm expecting the Philadelphia Eagles to be able to put up 31 points in this game. And I think our defense is going to surprise some people. I don't think they're going to shut down the Miami Dolphins. But I do think that we are going to force a turnover or two in this game. We saw how big, you guys know, you watch football, how big turnovers are. Four turnovers last week. That's what lost the Eagles that game against the New York Jets. Yes, we're angry about play calling, and we're angry about some of the plays the players made, but the biggest plays the players made, or didn't make, I should say, is protecting the football. Four turnovers is what lost that game. So I expect the Eagles offense to protect the football this week. I'm sure there was a strong emphasis on protecting the football this week. I don't think you see the Eagles turn the ball over, and the Dolphins don't cause a lot of takeaways anyway. 22nd in the NFL, they've only had five takeaways this season. But they do turn the ball over. 20th in the league, tied with the Eagles, unfortunately, with nine turnovers. But I think this Philadelphia Eagles defense gets a turnover or two. And what's going to be key is getting off the field on third down. Miami Dolphins are number seven in the NFL on third down. They don't have a lot of third downs, but they're number seven. Eagles have struggled, 22nd in the league, but you go back to that Los Angeles Rams game and you look at what the Philadelphia Eagles did in the second half of that game on defense. They held the Rams to one of seven on third down. That was the difference in that game. I will say it every single week. Good teams get off the field on third down on defense. They extend drives on third down on offense. And this Philadelphia Eagles team is number one in the NFL in third down offense. 50.6% of the time, they're staying on the field on third down. That is going to be key to this game. I think the Philadelphia Eagles will win this game on third down on both sides of the football. That will be key. And obviously, the red zone is key as well. If you were here for Dave Spadaro, you heard me give him the stat. As bad as the Eagles have been, On offense in the red zone, the Miami Dolphins have been worse 
on defense in the red zone. 26th in the NFL, allowing teams to score 67% of the time. So I do not see the Philadelphia Eagles losing this game. I have the final at 31-27. Philadelphia Eagles improving their record to 6-1, and one, and I'll be feeling pretty damn good when I come back to you guys on Monday. But what do you think? James Jones, 78-3 to three Dolphins. Okay. What else you guys got? Let's hear some predictions in the chat from you guys for this Sunday night game. Jake Elliott with a 56-yard field goal to win it, says Donnie. What else you guys got? Like to hear what your predictions are. Also, like we end the show every single day with Today in Sports History. So this one's an interesting one. Going back to October 20th, 1910, the first appearance of the cork-centered baseball in the World Series. And they still use cork-centered baseballs today, but going back to 1910, first appearance of the cork-centered baseball. Let's do a little chat read here for your prediction. JM, 34-30 Philly. Love it. Wine Niners wine, 102-0, the Birds. Travis Yoder, 34-28 Eagles. Brian Lippincott, 31-23 Birds. Scott Chairs, 27-17 Eagles because they win the time of possession game. Donnie, 31-28 Eagles win it. Dave, 34-31 Miami, but he hopes not. Rick Jansen, 28-24 Miami. Bradbury with two picks. Would love to see that, Rick. Doug Erickson, 30-24 Eagles. Steve Ike thinks the Eagles put a 50-burger on the Dolphins' defense. Possible. Possible. Timothy Walker, 42-35 birds. I say 27-24 can go either way for both teams from James Jones. But guys, as always, really appreciate you all here. Smash that like button before you head on the way out. Hit that share button. Let's make this a great hour in Philly sports. The more Philadelphia sports fans we can reach, the better. I will be back to you guys Monday morning, 10 a.m., hopefully talking about the Phillies wrapping up the series and the Philadelphia Eagles beating the Miami Dolphins on Sunday night. As always, guys, go Birds and go Phils. Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.